Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're all in isolation, but we're all isolated together as one big party. <laughs> and how's your isolation going, Baz? Are you two metres away from me right now? At least, right? You're not, you're not outside the door. Please tell me you're not within the required <laughs> standoff distance. <laughs> I've got my 10-foot pole out to make sure that I stay just far enough away from you. Yeah, no flanking, else. right? No flanking, everybody. No, unless you've got, <laughs> unless you've got a two-metre pole. <laughs> Who knew the 10-foot pole would be just about the right size for this? We should have all had one ages yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. Ahead of its time. So, yes, it's, <laughs> it's currently at time of recording. Uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 is around everywhere. Everybody's self-isolating in their homes, wondering what to do with themselves. Unless, of course, you are a gamer. In which case, you're jumping online for more gaming action because you've got time off, maybe. Not me. I'm going to work for a living, unfortunately, and work from home. But still, I've got a lot more online gaming lined up than I have done for many a month. How about you, Baz? That's gone bonkers, mate. It's gone absolutely bonkers. I mean, absolutely do not want to make light of this terrible situation. And I hope our listeners are all safe and looking after themselves as best they can do. But one of the silver linings in this awful cloud is the sheer amount of gaming possibility that has unlocked itself before us. Um, We've got to that that often reported dream of, oh, won't it be great when we're all in retirement homes, sitting in comfort chairs with nothing else to do? Um, And we're all slightly worried that we'd be too senile to pick up a D20 by that point. But no, (laughs) it turns out that you don't need to be in the same room to get some gaming on. In fact, if you're not in the same room, you can get gaming on that you wouldn't have done if you were just doing the the usual with your mates. And um, there are there are golden opportunities for people who've got time on their hands, got a little bit of technology at their fingertips and a willingness to try something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have chatted to one or two other people about this um, sort of various forms via electronic media and there is that kind of feeling from certainly for some of the older crowd or a more mature audience i don't know how to pronounce you all describe you all even uh but that it's not really gaming or it's not as good gaming or face-to-face is better and i think all that is true i think both of us would much rather be sat around a table chatting to people you can see them face to face but uh given the opportunities are limited so the alternative is no gaming Online gaming is actually all right, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think uh, what we're going to do on this show, aren't we, mate, is we're going to talk about uh, gaming in the current environment, online gaming specifically, and I'm kind of compiling a list of statements that I think are true. I know, right? Got nothing better to do, have I? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I think you're absolutely right, mate. Statement number one is that online gaming is probably not as good as face-to-face gaming because it doesn't do stuff. But it does do other things. So I'm going to put it in the classification of it's different to gaming, but it's definitely better than no gaming. So yes. that's that's going to be fact number one yeah. in my growing list. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't realize I was doing a list. I'll just throw things out and see if, <laughs> if they oh, can add to your list. Yeah, you're going to do that and add them to my list that I've literally just started now. It's in the spirit of like, <laughs> nothing else to do, let's find a project. <laughs> and I'm a bloke, so I do lists. <laughs> Seems reasonable. So what I'll add then, to, to balance out my perhaps initially negative statement, saying it's not as good as real life, and you're saying perhaps it's just different, is that there are advantages in terms of being able to play with people uh, that you wouldn't normally. Hmm. So, for example, we, we've been in really a couple of games, uh, and that's only possible due to the power of technology, because if we relied on getting to someone's house, it just wouldn't happen. And yeah. you can expand that out to different countries or different time zones and all around the world or... 
even with game designers or you know people that you always say, oh, let's meet up and do something, you never quite manage it. You can manage it now due to the power of technology. So there is an advantage as well as the the downside of not being first to face. Yeah, yeah, there is, and I guess we should pro- we should maybe go through some of those. So um, let's 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 think about who's the audience here then. So we've got this mass of gaming, and it turns out to be an absolute mass who uh, who want to play some games and are finding themselves unable to get their buddies round to their house or go to their club or whatever it is they normally do, and um, they're looking they're looking around for a way of playing a game. So um, so if they've got so what would stop them doing that, mate? So what what stops people jumping onto online and just going, hey, everybody come and play with me? Uh, do you think then one of them <laughs> is that people think the gaming won't be as good or that it will be so different that yes. they don't recognise it? Well, they perhaps don't know how. How does, Like, I suppose it's the sort of thing we talk about with other games. We've been playing so long now, we can't really remember what it's like to start from nothing. Yeah. And, and I've probably been, like, running stuff or playing games online long enough now that I can't remember what it was like when I first started but it is it can be intimidating if you don't know like literally anything about it or where to start yeah you just don't know the mechanism of like how do I even speak to other people or what do I how do I roll dice do I roll my own is there a way of doing that do I do I need to see people or can I just talk to them can we phone each other up so I think there's there is that initial barrier for people if they're not if it's completely new to you you're a bit kind of like yeah but what do I do like how how do I make it happen yeah, so I mean, I get this every time I go into a restaurant I've never been into before, or, or a pub, or something like that, and I want to order food. And I don't quite know how it works, and it actually stops mm. me going into some places because they don't have a big blackboard uh, with with step one, step two, step three. Because I find that kind of stuff a bit reassuring. Like, do I go to the bar to get this? Is somebody coming to see me? Um, do we pay it now, or do we pay on the way out? How does it all work? And and you end up then going to the place you know, don't you? And you yes. end up eating in in Nando's again because you've done it before, and you forgot that you you had a first time there as well, and you couldn't quite believe you had to pay in advance. You could just leave when you'd finished eating, <laughs> but that seems normal now, doesn't it? And I think online gaming is a bit like that. If you've never done it, it's like, what are the rules? How does how does one start in this brave new world? So that there's the usual kind of things which I think we can assume people know in terms of arranging a time with everyone and all agreeing to turn up. Uh, we might come back to that a bit later because I, I do feel it is a little bit easier to sometimes step away from a game or cancel last minute. It can feel like online because yeah. you don't have to look someone in the eye to do it. But that aside, the, the very sort of basic options you need really is just some way of communicating with each other. So that can be, as we're doing now, recording using something like Google Hangouts. Mm. So we've got a video conferencing option. You could use things like Skype. Uh, there's also Zoom, which uh, has a free layer, but it's not great. So someone needs to buy that. So there are other paid for options as well. So for Office 365, you can get Microsoft Teams and have conference calls. There's all manner of things like that. So your very basic requirement is get aware we're all going to be able to talk to each other. And I would suggest preferably with video as well, because it does add like the non-verbal communication elements. Someone can raise their hand if they want to speak, maybe. You can see if someone's walked away and isn't there anymore. You can make sure they're still hearing you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. It is, it is that simple. Step one is you've got to find a way of communicating with up to however many other people it's going to be. And that's no different to tabletop for, for numbers, I would suggest. You know, you want at least two players, and once you get up to five and six, it starts getting a bit gnarly. That's no different to a tabletop. You've got to find a way to speak to each other. So you could just do this on the phone. 
you literally could, couldn't you? You could <laughs> have yeah. your phone on speaker and add people in in a kind of conference call thing, which I think is ubiquitous technology with smartphones these days, to be fair. Yeah. But the video thing, that's that's not essential. And I know lots of people, and I've done this too, where I've turned off the video if I'm just sort of like sitting back and it's it's like immersing yourself in a radio play. But, you know, ask yourself, if you're around the table with your mates, would you do the whole thing with your eyes shut? Probably not. So, you know, I think having a video really does help for lots of reasons because that we'll come to this, won't we? But that those little bits of body language are quite hard to, to pick up on. And that can derail things which you probably wouldn't do around a table. So I think a video yeah. could be really helpful. And then you want to get your solution, don't you? Of which there are loads. And um, one of my facts on my list is that Hangouts is still here. Despite, <laughs> despite reports of its death every yeah. time I mention it. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> the Google are rubbish at this. Why don't they tell people Hangouts is still a thing? I mean, it's not the thing it was, but it's still there. It works perfectly. It does. I think the, the note of caution with Hangouts, before you get too attached to it, is that although it is still here, uh, Google aren't uh, advancing it or creating any new software for it. So things like Google Classrooms and that which you as a teacher will know about, but They've got a new suite of technology they're going to use for, for this sort of thing. So I think Google Hangouts is basically being left here as mm. is to kind of fill that hole while they get whatever it is new they want to do and work out how they're going to price it or if it's going to be free or whatever else. So it works It works well. I think it's one of our most stable platforms that we've mm. tried, but it's only ever going to be this good. They're never going to, going to right. improve this particular tool. It will be this is as good as it gets sort of thing. Yeah, and I think it's also fair to say that a couple of years back, Hangouts was almost a one-stop solution because you could do dice and you could do uh, sharing documentation and you could still do a a screen share. But I think Hangouts really now is just a way of speaking to people and watching their face while it happens. And there's not much else that you would use it for, which makes it reliable and does what it does on the tin, I suppose. Um, Yeah, absolutely. of Slack, Discord... And all these other funky things that people have maybe been using in other in other avenues, whether at business or for or for home, what, you have some experience with some of those things, I think, mate. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, there's things like Discord, which I've mentioned as well, which are usually popular. And if you're looking for a game, quite often any particular game or manufacturer you choose will have a Discord server. So there's probably a ready-made source of people you can go and ask about getting a game. So that's one good resource for you there. Discord doesn't. We used to be voice only. I believe now it has got some kind of video option. Mm. Things like Slack allow video conferencing, but it's just one to one, I think. Okay. But you, you can. The good thing about Slack is it's more of the, the the text based stuff. So if you create a channel within your workspace, you can like put loads of pictures up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can add a dice rolling app or polls or all the kinds of little apps within your text screen. So mm-hmm. you can have a little channel on someone's server to just kind of chat away, roll dice, everybody can see everybody else's results all that kind of stuff. So uh, the then you kind of get onto things like Roll20, which has got something of a steep learning curve, potentially, if you want to use all the bells and whistles. But that's good for having maps and tokens and multiple screens you can set up in advance to show your players, and it's got the dice rollers, and you can have integrated character sheets and all kinds of stuff, which probably sounds pretty daunting if you're just coming to this from you. Yeah. But there are a lot of good features there, and you don't have to use all of them just to get started if you want to do some sharing of things. And similar to Roll20, there's Fantasy Grounds, but that's a paid option, which I've not mm-hmm. tried because there's a free option. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm not to the paid option version. Yeah, so you're now talking about VTTs, Virtual Tabletops. 
And I think this is the next step and, and actually not always a necessary one for people because once you've figured out a way to talk to your buddies, um, you're in the same state that you were if you were sitting around the table largely, except you don't have a table. And if you need a table for the game that you want to play, then a virtual table is the thing to do, to turn your laptop screen into what you would see on your tabletop if you were sitting around it. I know that might sound a bit like, yeah, all right, stop teaching me to suck eggs, but I think there, there may well be some people who think you, first of all, have to have this stuff, maybe don't know what a virtual tabletop is, and certainly can't pick between them all, because there are, as you say, mate, there are options, and they're flourishing. I think Roll20 is like the D&D &D of it. It's the big one, but there are loads of others, and, and people are, I could see people getting quite tribal about their preferred their preferred medium for gaming. Yes, they do. I've seen a little bit of that coming as, as more and more people have been jumping on recently because of the, the global lockdown. There was a kind of, well, I use this, well, I use that, and there's no need to get. <laughs> I mean, it's all use Mac the best. Windows, isn't it? It's like, get out of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do things. It depends what game you're playing as well. So if you yeah. want to play a Pathfinder or D&D &D or something, then I would recommend getting to grips with Roll20, which does have a really good wiki page you can go to that tells you to do all kinds of things and create macros for dice rolls. So you could just type in something basic and it'll do your normal dice rolls for you. Or, you know, you can have tokens with hit points attached to them and all kinds of fancy things. But if you're not playing something of that degree of detail, then you can use it. Well, you can just use Roll20 or uh, and take away the grid and use a blank sheet. Or you could just dispense with using something like Roll20. If you're playing Fate, for example, you might just use Hangouts and then screen share a basic paint tool that you can type in or draw pictures on to just draw some notes or things like that. Mm. Or there's uh, an online tool uh, called Miro or Miro which is like a, a massive whiteboard which allows you to put post-it notes on it and things like that. So if you're using Hangouts or Zoom or whatever your voice and video option is that you've selected, you can just do a screen share and have something like that up and that's perfectly good for playing the more simple or easy-to-use systems that don't require lots of tracking of numbers or lines of sight or grids or that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a decision that only you can make and, and as with most things, you want to try out a few different things before you go. But, you know, I would I would counsel, my counsel would be get what does it good enough and don't get anything more than that because you can get lost yeah. in this stuff. And, and over the last week, as, as fun as it's been to noodle around on Roll20 and try and find exactly the right tokens and import images and stretch them and blend them and the rest of it, I'm putting, I'm putting preparation time into just mucking around with that that I would arguably be better off putting into my scenario or my characters or whatever. So there is a right old rabbit hole that you can end up going down. And it may be that your game needs nothing more than you to be on a conference call and use WhatsApp to show each other pictures. It may mm -hmm. be that that's enough. And, and there you go, you're online gaming, frankly, at that point. But of course, if you really yeah. want to jump in, that Roll20 and the other virtual tabletops will automate so much stuff for you that it is essentially like playing, playing a game that we never thought would exist in the 80s and 90s. It's not virtual reality but it's an incredibly powerful stuff that is available to you. And if you want to drop a couple of bucks, none of it's expensive. But if you want to drop a couple of bucks, you can get an all singing, all dancing experience. It's full of like, ooh and ah. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact you still need to GM and play. <laughs> so there is that. And there are obstacles to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I play in a variety of formats depending on who's running and what we're doing, to be honest. So mm -hmm. to give another example of, of an easier way into things, um, 
there's the one ring role playing game which is a, a quirky system let's call it there's lots of bits and pieces to it but rather than try and move that online guy a good friend of the show who's running it is largely doing it just on hangouts with voices and stuff we just right. talk to each other we all have manual dice that we roll in front of us and tell everybody what we got and then he uses the the twitter group rolling to organize the game just to post pictures or maps occasionally right and that that works perfectly fine and, and that's like cost free really easy to do everybody knows how to put a picture into a, a twitter feed uh, and you know it works really well and you know that some people do worry about whether you can trust your player to roll dice or not and whether they'll be cheating and, but if that's a worry for you that's not a problem with online gaming or the tech that's a problem you have with your players there, well that that's come up though mate that's come up a lot in the last couple of weeks with me is uh, trust issues and uh, i find it slightly bizarre uh, but but one of the the massive upside of playing online is you can play with people you've never met before that comes mm. with a downside is you've never played with that person before. So <laughs> <laughs> that means you have to get used to each other. So, I mean, out of nothing more than politeness, I've had lots of players tell me recently or ask me recently, because I'm GMing, they say, you know, do you want me to upload my copy of the character sheet so you can see it? No, I don't. I don't. But somebody will. Some GMs will want that. Uh, I don't feel the need to police people's character sheets. I personally, I'm, I'm not even bothered if people just want to roll the dice. I like hearing the sound of plastic in the background. But there's mm. um, there's a sense like, oh, if it's not visible, it won't count. And I suppose around your table, it would be weird if people rolled dice and kept the hand over it. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> but Lots of little player screens. <laughs> you, you, can, you can lose a lot of time to people typing in dice codes and finding exactly the right way to, to display their dice roll. And it is a little bit juddery, so... You know, an honesty an honesty uh, pledge is is a perfectly good way of doing things, really. But you find you, yeah. you have to find the way with the players you have. You can always use stuff like if you go to Google and type dice roller, Google gives you a dice roller straight away. It does. So yeah. rather than going to any websites or anything, so that's that's advantageous. And there's tons of ones. There's apps you can get on your phones. There's all kinds of stuff. I personally like if I'm using Roll Twenty using their dice roller, even though. Mm-hmm. If it's something like Savage Worlds, for example, you might have to roll multiple dice that can explode and you pick the best ones yes. or something like that. So working out the code to how to do that can be a barrier for some people. It can be a little bit of work. But once you've worked it out, it's quite good. I, I think once people get used to it, so you might want to judge on how invested you want to get in working out how to do it yeah. or palm it off on another player or you know work it out between you, ask someone else. Uh, again, there's a good wiki for that kind of thing. But I think the advantage of rolling dice in a dice roller that everybody can see is you get the same sort of excitement you get from round tables where somebody rolls a dice and everybody leans over to see if it's a critical or a fumble or whatever. Yeah. If it happens on screen, then you, you maintain that level of interest in what people are rolling. Uh, yeah, I do like that. I've started using the 3D dice on Roll20, which a couple of years ago was really buggy. Uh, but now it's it's quite slick and it does the job really nicely. And, and everyone's dice come out the same colour as their avatar, which is really neat. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I like that too, guys. It's a, it is weird though. People get um, slightly obsessed about about the dice element. I suppose we get obsessed about that in real life too, don't we? But people mm. always asking like you know, about quality dice rollers and so on. But it, again, it's ubiquitous at this point. I think with roll twenty, what what you find is that people say, oh, it's dead easy. All you've got to do is set up some macros. And and if you're anything like me, that that sentence made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I really, it's like you may as well ask me to fly to the moon. I have no idea what you just said. But actually, yes, yeah, yeah. in every group, there will be someone who knows how to do that and will just sort you out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the good thing about the role-playing community is there are a lot of IT guys. So for me, <laughs> when it says, like, create a macro, I go, okay, then what's the syntax? And I'll go, yes. I can approach it and know what to do. But yeah, I appreciate it for a lot of people when they hear that sort of sentence. It's kind of like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what, do yeah, I, yeah. what do I do now? I don't know what you And you, you, what, what has to happen is that somebody has to say, right, find the thing that looks like a cog. Okay, go there, it's top right. And and that's, do you know what, that's, that's going on my fact sheet as well, is that if you agree to start playing at 8, you won't start playing till 8.30, because the first half hour is find the cog, um, you're on mute, um, you know, nope, you need that link, and why are you upside down? <laughs> and, and there'll just <laughs> yeah. be stuff. But again, like yeah. in real life, that's what, that's, you're, you're getting back all the time that you would normally have lost to people showing up and putting the kettle on or opening crisps or saying, how was your day? Because you don't have any of that when you play online. It's it's um it's it's kind of all game, isn't it? Straight away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and I suppose like length of gaming is something we should discuss as well. I think mm-hmm. uh, like two hours of of gaming is plenty online. I think, which yeah. you may or may not include the half hour trying to get everything working and people involved or not. But uh, I wouldn't be looking at four hour sessions when you start doing this online stuff. Uh, and even if you are. Like I'd take plenty of breaks. Even in the yeah. two-hour game, arguably, take a five minutes halfway through and just get up and walk around a bit. It's what you have to do at work. If you have a desk job, you're advised every hour to sort of like stretch your legs or your neck and just look away from the screen for a bit to refocus your eyes. So that's definitely something worth bearing in mind in a game. Sometimes as a GM, when you're driving everything and interested and involved, it can seem like you're, you know, you're into, into what you're doing, so you don't notice it. But your players who have to sit patiently and wait for you can quite often be getting a bit antsy in the seat and start mm-hmm. twitching about or looking at Facebook or other things. So just be aware of comfort breaks and things like that and the length of the session for online. Yeah, which takes us back to the lack of body language. So at a table, you would pick up on that atmosphere straight away. It'd be, you'd be impossible yeah. because people would like get up and go to the loo or they'd be fiddling with their phones or yawning and stretching. All of those little things that we take for granted, you can't see very well. And even if you've got video on, which I think we suggest you do, doesn't necessarily mean that someone's got that window open with those videos on. I lost count of how many times last night I asked somebody for their action and they were getting a glass of water. And I just didn't have the screen in front of me. Um, Because it happens because I have my hangouts in one uh, window and I have my Roll20 in another. It's in the middle of a battle. I I make the Roll20 window big and I can't see anybody for that 20 minutes Mm. we're having a fight. And and things happen; they just do. Um, and chat windows and stuff yeah. are great. And you know, people like my my mate Dan is awesome at saying like, just stepping away from the keyboard and let me know when he's back. You know, um, mm. but and, and we've st- we've stared at each other before, haven't we? Where the video is frozen, and I thought yeah. we were just having yeah. a think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> yes, many of our podcasts have been a bit like that. <laughs> has he finished, or has he just frozen? Is he still there? Can he hear me? Yes. There's a lot of that kind of activity. And I think we keep mentioning Hangouts from Roll20 a lot, but that's what we typically use. So I think I'm I'm pretty sure these are applicable to other things as well. But on Hangouts, for example, there is a chat function. So there's a little chat window. So that's useful for uh, things like, if you want to say I'm walking away from the keyboard for a bit without disrupting Mm -hmm. the flow of the game, you can just put a little chat message to go and be right back or whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's also useful for chatting away as well because... When you're online playing, it tends to be one person has to speak at a time because if you start yeah. trampling over each other, no one can hear anything. So that does take away from where you might do some in-character banter in a game normally, face-to-face. You can't do that anymore. But with a little chat window, 
or if you want to use the Twitter group or whatever else you, you're doing, uh, you can keep that up. You can kind of have your little in-character conversations between other players as well as out-of-character ones uh, and let the conversation still flow. So you've definitely got to be more aware of when to speak and importantly, when not to speak and just shut up and let other people get some time in. Mm. Yeah, that um, this is one of the uh, the advantages of online play. You think it's a disadvantage that you can't have the banter, and for a while it does feel that way. But then it opens up new possibilities that you can't get in real life. So when we're playing in your Deadlands game, mate, that you run um, online, and we have people from all over the country joining in for that game, um, and Dirk's in that game as well as need Dirk the Dice from the Grognar Files, as well as Blythe and, and many others. And one of the things I love is that is that me and Dirk often have like a little chat while Blythe's <laughs> blowing holes in something. But it's an in-character chat. And it means that like we're kind of... Imagine in a comic book, it would be a panel, which is like two cowboys having an aside with each other. While, mm. And then the panel moves, and it's like a blazing shootout at high noon. And it all adds to the game. We don't, we, we don't really... You don't really have any side chatter about, like, you know, do you want a biscuit? Or, like... Um, That's right. God, yeah. it was cold today. Or, like, you working anymore this week? All of that stuff that pops up in any other game, whether you think you're on focus or not, it always does rise up. You don't get any of that. So there's a total filter over what you're doing. Unless, of course, you know, someone's phone rings, which can happen any time, and they say, oh, guys, you know, I've got a, got a family emergency, got to go. That's fine. But the rest of the time, it's raw gaming. And that's why your suggestion of two hours, that might shock some people. But I think you probably only get two hours out of your game anyway. If you, if you edited mm. it and took out all of the... If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ums, ahs, and non-game stuff that happens. So it's condensed. It's quite it's quite a concentrated activity. Yeah, I think so. And that's very true. Uh, and it's always also worth mentioning things like... There's a game called Viewscreen by Neoplastic Press by a good friend of the show, Raymond Chandler. Oh, Raphael Chandler, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Raymond Chandler's an author, isn't he? He's boiled. the other one. <laughs> I'm sure he won't mind the comparison. Probably not. I'll have to check on how he's doing, actually. He's, he's got an escape room business, so I'm not sure how that's doing in the current environment, but we'll see. He's, anyway, he's locked in. I digress. <laughs> so Viewscreen is a game that he made ages ago, uh, and there's a second edition now. It's free on DriveThruRPG, so if you want a free game to play online, go and fill your boots. It costs you nothing. Uh, and it's designed explicitly for playing via Google Hangouts, which could be Zoom or what other mm-hmm. platform you want to use. But there's quite a light system to it, and it's all played in character. So it's uh, ostensibly, or normally, sorry, um, like on a ship, and you might be in a spaceship somewhere, and something's gone wrong, and you're in four different compartments of the ship and can't get to each other. So you have to communicate by using the video conference system in the ship. Mm. And so you play in character as the medical officer and the captain and whoever else trying to solve some problem. And there's some good little tweaks to it as well. Like he's got one where you're playing uh, four wizards trying to sort out the problems of the land, but you're all in your own little towers with your orbs that have seen or whatever, like your plant here that you're all talking through. So you've got your crystal balls in front of you. But you all have to do it in character. And it's got a sort of mechanism where you ask someone for help and they've got a number of options that they have to give out throughout the game. And mm. some are, yes, I can help you, and some are, no, I can't. <laughs> and flavorful. So some of you will survive and some of you won't. Uh, but that's a great example of something that's specifically designed for the medium of playing online games. Yeah, that that is a good one. I mean, there's not many that are specifically designed for it either, so that's a fairly small pool you're drawing from. I think I think it's fair to say that some games do better on online and some games are maybe less suited for it. 
I'll, I'll kind of push out there a couple of system or genres and see what you think, mate. I think it does gridded combat um, high-octane D&D Pathfinder quite well, if you've got the right setups for it. Um, and I also think that online gaming through a screen can work quite well for kind of close horror suspense type games as well, because it can give you that feeling of being on a submarine or in that Arctic base. Yes. If you get the atmosphere going right and a little bit of tunage in the background as well, that can be quite good. Yeah, and it's kind of the visual element as well, especially if you're sharing screens and that kind of thing. Um, at a table, to have to print out loads of art or hold up your DMG, but like cover different parts of the scenario so the players can't read the text but only see the picture, can be really awkward. But if you're online just pulling images from Google Image or Pinterest or wherever else you want to pull them from, you can just slap loads of really cool pictures at people to get ideas of what's going on. Yeah, uh, and that can save a lot of time as well. Like we were saying before about concentrated gaming, rather than going over the top with your description of what the biaki looks like, you can just whip it up on the screen and say that's going to bite your face off and start yes. rolling dice and get into it. You know. Yeah, there's there's another really cool tip if you are speaking as an NPC, uh, you can bring up a picture of the NPC and you can replace it with your normal screen. And the way that Hangouts work, and loads of other ones do this too, is that when you're speaking, your picture becomes the big image on the screen for everyone to see. And when you're not speaking, you go back to being a thumbnail. That means that when you speak, everyone sees that NPC's face. And when you don't speak, it goes back to being you. And that can be quite fun. I hadn't thought about that too much, but that's a brilliant idea, Baz. Well done. I think I stole it. Can't remember where from. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was our great idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool I suppose another aspect we need to talk about is group size so yeah. I know a lot of people are quite happy having a and d session with 7 players and all the rest <laughs> of it um, online this oh, is yeah. suboptimal <laughs> I'm having one tomorrow what you've got oh, there goodness. is 2 D&D groups <laughs> yes <laughs> they need to split off yeah I think the sweet spot is either 4 or 5 people so that might be three or four players, or if you're playing a gemless game, four of you is pretty good. Uh, I'm running a gun uh, infrequently, which even in, in face-to-face, it says like five stri- uh, five of the hero- heroic players sorry, uh, is a lot, and I've gone five. Uh, and it is, it's at the limits, because you've got a lot of people sat around waiting for a turn. Some of the platforms start to struggle if there's a lot of bandwidth having to be used by lots of people joined onto a call, that kind of thing. So yeah. I would keep it down, your the number of people on the call down to like between three and five, if possible. Yeah, I think it's tabletop minus one, depending on system. Yeah. Maybe minus two. I, I don't like tabletop if there's me and two players, but online that seems to be great. Um, hmm. My normal minimum around a real table would be three. Yeah. So that minus one formula works for me just fine. Um, but as you say, I'm running for seven, uh, seven players plus me for D&D tomorrow, so... I will let you know how that goes. Good luck. <laughs> well, one of the reasons that you've touched on this already, why that's sometimes an issue, quite apart from the bandwidth, is that player-to-player interaction is limited online. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I don't know why it is, but I think it's just a thing that players don't really do an awful lot of sideways looking. Um, because, you know, in a real table, there might be someone down the far end away from the GM, and they're, they're nudging someone and making plans. That's despite the chat window and all the things we've suggested, that doesn't seem to happen so much. So you can fall yeah. into spectator mode quite easily. And 
and I, I want to put out the flake warning as well. I'm not going to police anybody's behaviours here at all. People can do what they like. But there is a, a huge temptation to alt-tab onto your Twitter window. There's a <laughs> huge temptation to not show up for the game at all because it you think it's not going to matter so much if you cry off 20 minutes before. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe a legitimate reason, maybe you, you just start thinking, oh, I've got social anxiety, I don't fancy it. It's really easy to step away from your online gaming. And in a, if you're around someone's house, you wouldn't do that. So look out for that, I guess, is the advice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of people who a lot of times have said we should play a lot of games uh, who I have not played with yet or things like that. And it's not for lack of my availability, let's put it that way. Um, if you want to play online, it is a commitment. You've got to think about it like a face-to-face game. Uh, it is easy to blow things off or easier than it would be for a face-to-face meeting, I think. Uh, and especially if you're playing with a bunch of strangers you've never met and you've just pulled some people together, you might think, oh, actually, I want to watch another episode of The Sopranos. I'll just not, I'll tell them I'm, I'm busy or I've got a family emergency. Yeah. As you say, these things can happen. You know, Things might occur that stop you playing. The technology might fail you or you, know, you could have a family emergency or whatever else. You might be ill. That's fine, uh, but do put effort in. If you want to get some online games, you have to commit to it and treat it like a real appointment, like you would for anything else, like a, I don't know, a dinner engagement or an interview you're going to or something. Like the way to get games in is to commit to playing those games and showing up. It is, and and I think as well, it goes back even before that as well. Is that you know don't don't say you want to play an online game if you don't want to play an online game. You know, yeah. if someone says yeah. I'm running or a particular game yeah. next Monday. Who's in? Just go, oh, yes, please, and then not be available in the intervening week when the GM is going, right, can I just get confirmation of who's actually coming? Or um, or they say, like, can you tell me your race and class combo so I can do you a character? Or or they'll say, like, do you want to do a character yourself? Because one of the nice things about online gaming is that it forces you into that email conversation where you get that back and forth going before you sit down at the table, which is a lovely thing. But But when people just ghost you at that stage... You just think, oh, for goodness sake, I kind of, I don't even know who you are, but I kind of relied on a number and, and other people are banging on the door saying, can I play? And I'd said no to them because you were, you were a firm hands up yesterday and now yeah. I've got nothing until 10 minutes before the game when you pop up and go, yeah, sorry, I'll be on a little bit later. And then that doesn't happen either. I mean, this mm. is just human nature. I get it. I totally get it. But I think a little bit of discipline sorry that's a bit of, that's probably a bit hardcore in it for a light and fluffy podcast but do what you say you're gonna do or don't say it yeah i think it's fair it sounds a little bit like we're laying down the law or whatever but uh, like just trust us that this comes from experience you know there's times when we've dedicated a lot of prep or maybe an evening to a game and then people don't show up or communicate and you you feel like it's just a bit rude uh, i it, another way to look at it perhaps is to think of convention games where people sign up for games you expect them to turn up if you go to the convention table and four people haven't turned up it just feels rubbish mm. and especially if those four people you see have signed up for a game next session as well and you think well are you going to turn up to that one though and as you say you're kind of blocking other people from taking the slots up so you know just just manage it with a bit of politeness and courtesy and if you can't play say so and if you don't actually want to play that game now you've thought about it, just say. And it can feel like people feel like a bit, I think sometimes, like if I say nothing, they'll just go away. Or, you know, I've, that's, mm. that's the best way of handling it so there's no confrontation. But trust me, people would rather know if you can't turn up than you just say nothing, is my view. Yeah. And getting on the same page is really useful for that. So 
if uh, if you want to try a game out, let people know you want to try it out, that you're after a demo, you're after a one-shot, you're after a toe in the water. I mean, we, we are all massively ambitious, aren't we? And we're all launching campaigns every two days. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's probably a poor idea to plan ahead more than a couple of sessions because yeah. it, may, it may not go that way, you know. So I, I really admire when people say, I'm running Master of Nihilethotep. I'm starting tomorrow. I've always wanted to do it. And I really hope that goes well for you. I really do. But if you're going to sign up for that, then make sure you know that the GM wants you to be around for the next 18 months because that's not a small <laughs> commitment. Okay? And, and and if the GM gives up on it or flakes, well, that's on them. And it's good experiences have been had by all. We've all done it. But you can't be the player who, after three weeks, goes, I was never going to be able to do more than this session. I thought I made that clear by not saying it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> and I think uh, there's, there's an element of um, getting a session zero in as well. So that can sometimes uh, feel a bit of a, a chore on people's time to meet up to not play, to do a session zero, uh, where you kind of discuss what characters you're going to have and how the system works and things like that. It's sometimes worth doing if people are into it. A good way of working out if there's commitment there and people do want to play and you've all decided you've got the right day, you can all do it and all the rest of it, mm. is to kind of do the sessions there online, so do it on a Slack channel, on a Discord, yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Messenger, whatever you want. And if everybody's chatting about what sort of character they want and what they're going to do and asking questions or asking for, is there something I can read or look into before we play, that normally gives you a good indication of whether you've got people who really want to play the game and, and if people are going to turn up and, and they're going to put some effort in, which is kind of like what you want. And it also makes the session when you actually play it that much better because everybody's laid some groundwork into it and got some investment, so they're looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree with that, mate, definitely. I mean, my King of Dungeons online game, we had a session zero uh, and we got on to Roll20 and we got on to Hangouts and, um, and I didn't know quite who was going to show up on the day. I had 13 people said they might and I had four people show up totally happy with that that seems to be a ratio by the way there's i don't know if there's yeah. a formula to it but you know there the you go it's, a, it's about a third in my experience so but i was very very happy that they showed up and then the five of us generated some characters together we all got to see each other's faces hear each other's voices um do some nice stuff like you know where are you in the world and find out where people live and what their circumstances are because that's nice to do and you you may not get another chance to do that so readily and then when we did get into our actual session the next week, we'd all put notes in our diaries. We'd all committed to it, left it open for new people as well. But when we played the next time, I could go, hello, Simon, how you doing? Hello, Tom. Hello, John. Hello, Jeremy. Easy peasy. And it was just, we were straight into the game. So it absolutely pays dividends to do that sort of thing. And it, of course, it gives all of those guys a chance to drop out if it's not their style, which they didn't, but I would have been happy if they had. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not going to be for someone, it's better knowing before they're in the game than someone having to sit there for two hours through it, or worse, still drop halfway through with no excuse or or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we sounded. I think we sounded a little bit. I don't want to say a preachy there, but it, what we're all trying to do here is just give you the the flavour of our experiences and what works and what doesn't, and and yeah. kind of give you that idea about what to expect because. Uh, what I what I won't want to do is someone like goes to the effort of trying to run an online game and learn some tools and does all kinds of things and then people not turn up and you feel like it's something to do with you. Uh, it's probably just to say that you know trust does it happens to everybody. Like you know sometimes games just don't happen for whatever reason. Um, technical yeah. people, whatever you know, don't feel bad about it. You know, so don't give up on your first attempt if your game doesn't come off immediately. 
no, you, you're absolutely right to flag that up, mate. Just to circle all the way back to the start, I want to say, if you are capable of listening to this podcast, which clearly you are, you are capable of getting an online game because that's the kind of technical savvy you need to have or equipment. Yeah. So there is a, a wide world that is absolutely worth finding out about if you have not done so already. As well as that, there are some potential pitfalls that you may not be aware of because it's not quite like sitting around the table. And if you try to replicate exactly sitting around the table, I think you're in for a frustrating experience. So there's some things it can't do, but there are other things it can. So you have to adjust your dials a little bit. So I think I think it's okay for us to point out these pitfalls, but I think we need to return quite quickly to the fact that actually it's a very, very positive experience. And your 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 circles and your pools of possibilities are just infinitely wider than they were if it was just you and your mates last week. Yes. And certainly in the, the times we're at, at the time of recording where it's um, a lot of self-isolation and lockdown and things like that, uh, being able to communicate with people and just have a fun time for a couple of hours and speak to people in different countries and all kinds of things, make new friends, that's all really good. Yeah, it really is. I've had, I'm on my four, five-day streak now of doing something gaming-related every night. Uh, and it's either that or, honestly, just watch, see what's on Netflix. And I, I can do that during the day at the moment. And we're not all in that luxurious <laughs> position, I appreciate. But it's so nice to not have to worry too much about getting up at the crack of dawn. Um, and massive thank you to those key workers who are enabling me to do that. You know, thank mm-hmm. you so much, guys. Um, uh, we, we, we all, we're all doing our bit, I know, and some of us are doing a bigger bit than others. And, and I don't want to belittle at all the the horrific situation we find ourselves in. But as gamers, we're really good at finding good stuff to do in in difficult times. You know, we could we could run D and D if we just had one piece of paper and a pencil on a desert island. I know we could. So <laughs> we've got more than that now, and we've finally got the one thing you can't buy, which is time. So mm. you know, and this is a great way to use it, and you don't even have to. You you do have to put some trousers on. Please put trousers on. Do yeah. not do this in your pants. <laughs> but that's my only rule. Apart from that, you can come and play with me. So there are some things to think about as well. So it's worth having, like, it's worth having a webcam. Some laptops come with them. Other devices do or don't. Uh, they are quite cheap. I realise everybody's on different budgets, but it's worth having one, and it's worth having some headphones, even if it's the earbuds that came with your mobile phone or something like that, because you can get feedback quite easily. And even if you can't hear it, everybody else will be able to. So if you're, if you're the other one in the room saying you can't hear any feedback, you're the cause of it. Come get, get some headphones. Uh, it really does make everybody's experience a lot better. And just things like, um, you know, mute yourself if you find you are being noisy or people are complaining or there's something in the background like the washing machine has been turned on or something. Mute yourself when you're not speaking so that you're not interfering with everybody else's uh, oral experience. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's some little etiquette bits, isn't there? But none of this has to be particularly expensive. Um, no. My mate Steve has got a desktop computer. He's got a really nice desktop computer. But because it's not a laptop, it doesn't come with a, a webcam. Um, weirdly, and it took me ages to figure that out. And But he just sticks his mobile phone on beside it. He's on a you know, he's on a data plan like everybody is. And that takes care of the AV stuff. Uh, yeah. And you can work around these things. Um, but, you know, try not to eat crisps <laughs> when you're doing yeah. this sort of thing. <laughs> or bowls of soup, as I've had people do sometimes right next to the microphone. Yeah. That's delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I, I have a friend who, for some reason, I don't know why, but he, he's got one of these little Britney Spears headphones, which is fine. But he always puts the microphone like virtually in his mouth. I can hear him <laughs> breathing. 
Uh, but all you have to do yeah. is people are perfectly all right with this. You just go, oh, just move that back a bit, will you, mate? And you go, oh, yeah, sorry, no problem at all. Uh, and then, then you realise you're not being chased by zombies after all. There isn't a weird stalk behind <laughs> you, giving it the old Darth Vader. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It, it it can be easy to get irritated by things sometimes online, but what what you perhaps need to step back and remember is that the other people can't hear that, or they're they're not. I, I, yeah, it's not they're doing it on purpose or trying to be annoying. They probably can't tell what's coming out your end of the screen, so you yeah. just need to be. You know, I had a GM who had a big hipster beard, and then um, one of those wind catcher things in the microphone, so it's constantly scratching against his beard. Uh, uh, but he, he didn't know; he was just chatting away quite happily. I had to sort of. Stop him at one point and say, can you just move that away a little bit? <laughs> Cause it's... Your beard's too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've done tech support with someone saying, like, you, you do seem really quiet. And they were kind of leaning into the microphone. It's like, well, let's check your settings and, you know, get them to boost the settings so that the output of the microphone is louder. And these might be things you've never done with your laptop or computer before or had to worry about, but it's not insurmountable. If you've got a mobile phone and you're used to downloading apps, and changing yeah. notification settings and things, it is something you can encounter. It might take a little bit of time, but you'll get there in the end. Absolutely. And, and logging off and logging back on again seems to cure a lot of things. It so, does. You know, it's always that. So that's we're doing pitfalls again, Nate. What about the positives, though? I think we should maybe go back into the realms of what is the good stuff that you can expect that maybe you didn't expect. I mean, one for me is that information management is so much easier if you're playing online with people, if you are going to do, for example, Master of Nihilathotep, then all of a sudden, organising those handouts, NPC names, keeping little journals and conspiracy webs is trivial online, mm-hmm. and it's and it and it lasts whatever the word is it for where it it's um where it lasts from one session to the next. There's a word for that. I can't remember. Persists or something. That's it. It's a persistent, isn't it? So it doesn't drift away. All the old chats are still there if you're careful about stuff. And then, you know, if it's a couple of weeks before you come back, then you can just like log on, look at all the stuff that's hanging around and go, oh yeah, I'm back in the game. I don't even necessarily need that recap that we always do in real life. So, you know, Sir Alfred the Butler could be mentioned in passing, but the, but the GM's no doubt got a little image or maybe you've clipped a little bit of text, or there's some cool handouts, and they're all at your fingertips. Nothing's got lost, nothing's got eaten, and if one player doesn't show up and they had all the handouts, you're not crying into your laptop. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that um, Roll20 is really good for is that it has some interfaced character sheets. So for things like Blades in the Dark, Scum and Villainy, and upcoming Freya Gun as well, it has a character sheet that's integrated with the uh, the session, and to roll dice, you click on it, uh, the thing that you want to do, and it'll roll the dice for you automatically. And then the chat box has a nice little background on it and tells you what result you got and things like that. So all of a sudden, having to have a printed off character sheet separately or that kind of thing goes away. And you can build your own, as we've mentioned. But that was when the first time I tried to play Blades and looked at their, their integrated system, it was like, this is all lovely. It all looks nice. I want to indulge my vice. Okay, I press this. That's indulging my dice for me until what's happened. Uh, you know, all these kind of things. And you can mark experience off and the GM can see what you're doing. So that, that sort of thing you were talking about before about gems might want to see your character sheet. If you use one of the, the sets that you can get for these online tools, they can see all your character sheets. So they can make sure you're doing it right and catch you if you, you've done something slightly wrong. Yeah. We're, we're playing D&D, which I'm sure a lot of people will want to do online. Um, and we're playing on Roll20, and Roll20 doesn't have any kind of official link to D&D particularly, um, but it has a compendium on site. So if you want to look up uh, Jumping Distance, 
just for example, I had to do that last night. Uh, it's there and everybody can do it. So everyone's got the rule book underneath their fingertips. Mm. Um, we've got the character sheets do take a little bit of getting sorting out, but you know Matt's really good at it and he's looked at it a lot and he could help guide some of our more novice players through that. And, and I don't really know how to do that because I'm, I'm DMing it. Um, but we all got there in the end and everybody's now at the stage where they can poke something on their character sheet and then something happens on screen and, and hit points go up and down without having to worry about it. And and that time investment in getting it sorted out is is repaying us by people just concentrating on their description and narration, their immersion, all those other things, because the mechanics are they're they're there and then they're, they're not going to change either. So we're really happy with as much or as little as you want to get that mechanical assist with your game. You can have yeah for sure. Another feature of uh, Roll Twenty is having different pages you can set up in advance. And there's a little red tab for players that you move along to see, so to show the players whichever page it is you want. Uh, and as you said, that persists as well. So when you go back to the game the next week or whenever, if you wanted to, you could literally take them through the story of what happened last time, page by page, saying mm. you went here, then you saw this guy, then you did this thing, and then this is what happened, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it has different layers. So those like uh, character portraits you were talking about for Warhammer, I used those on the GM layer that the players couldn't see, and then when they went somewhere to speak to someone, I could make them visible for the players. And as if yeah. by magic, uh, Jeff the Rat Catcher pops up, or whatever it is you need to, to have. So that, it, again, takes a bit of getting used to, but that's that's really useful, and takes away a lot of the need for note-taking or questioning that would normally come from players. Yeah, that that's the thing where there's an advantage there, isn't there? So back in the day when I was running D&D in previous editions, I was looking at a foam board to try and get dungeon tiles onto and, and black bits of card that I would put over the top of the dungeon so I could do reveals. Digital makes all of that trivial. So I can move stuff around, I can do fog of war, um, I can have things leaping out of the darkness. And you can lose yourself down a rabbit hole of that. And just occasionally I just want to go back to Theatre of the Mind. They don't do every combat that way because it takes a little bit of setup. Um, but yeah. it, but equally, I, I'm thinking back to the times I used to have to like drive five miles to the game, which is not a big distance. And if you're an American listening, you're probably thinking... Well, you could have walked that, but um, but I used to have like 200 miniatures in a box next to me because I wasn't quite sure what they were going to fight that night. So you, you bring your travel kit with you and then don't need that now. Not for this kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm embracing the stuff it can do really, really well. It's not going to replicate it. If I could have all my friends around my house, I would rather do that. I think that's worth saying. I would rather, um, but I can't. So this is good. <laughs> yeah. And, and to take us away again from me keep diving into all the things that Roll20 can or can't do and that kind of stuff, is uh, there's tons of uh, quick starts and starter sets and stuff out there. If you want to scroll back through our archives, you can you can pull up our thing on quick starts. But uh, just from Chaosium alone, for example, there's Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuests, Pendragon, whatever, that come with some characters, some pregens and that kind of thing that you can just farm out to people and send them on. So each player's got... A character sheet in front of them and just do it manually with pencils and stuff. You don't have to worry about doing all the everything online. You can be as manual as you want to be. We mentioned earlier you can just roll your own dice if you want. Like uh, we're giving you ideas about what's out there, but don't feel like you have to do it that way. Like just do whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, it um yeah, you're right, mate. And do you know what? That's an overlooked thing that I think most of us have got a hard drive stuffed with gaming PDFs. And and mm. online gaming is where your gaming PDFs come to life. In fact, it's been a frustration for me to have like a, a paper copy of a player's handbook and not have it digitally when I'm yeah. playing online. 
that is unbelievable as, as a frustration level because oh curse you Watsy! you make me get buy it in paper then you make me buy it on beyond and now you want me to buy it on roll 20 as well ah! <laughs> <laughs> and you know i will <laughs> and i so, think that's one of those we can help each other out as well so uh, we've had occasions for various games where someone's asking a question, the GM doesn't know immediately, mm. but rather than stop things, if you want to keep that two-hour punchy session, carry on with it, and another player who's just sat around doing nothing, frankly, can look up the PDF or do the search or look it in the book and help out. So that, that's a, it's a good way, certainly if you're a player, look for ways to get involved there as well in terms of making the GM's life easier because they've got enough to do with whatever widgets they're, they're doing in the background and their adventure and all their NPCs or whatever else they're managing and trying to keep everybody involved and all that stuff. stuff. So yeah. any work you can take off your GM to do as a player to help them out is great. So so let's say you and I have done a great job, mate, okay, and uh, someone listening to this has thought, all right, okay, I'm going to give it a go. Now, someone listening to this is probably already a role player, so that's happy days, but they maybe haven't done online stuff. So what's their first port of call? How do they get involved in a game? Because I think we're both going to suggest you need to have a go, really. Yes. Yeah. Let, let, let someone else run it for you. If you're an experienced GM, be a player for once, I would suggest, and get into a game. So so what's the what's the first step they should take, mate? What would be good advice for someone looking to get into a game? And they literally don't know where to start. So you can look at uh, events. So there's things like Virtual Grog Meet that's coming up in April which I think the latest tranche of games has been booked out, but after we've recorded, I think there's some more going to be released that you can jump in with. I've mentioned before, there are Discord servers or things, or Facebook groups for particular games, like Warhammer or whatever else you want to pick, that you can go on and say, can, is anyone running an online game? Uh, you can just use Twitter or that kind of yep. thing and follow the hashtag D&D or hashtag TTRPG, that kind of thing, and find some other gamers. Uh, you can approach people you know who might be running games. Uh, but, but generally, if you've got a game you want to play, that's probably a good in to looking at the place where people who talk about that game congregate and see if anyone will run a game. And it might be the official site that you can look at as well, which will help out with that. Uh, if there's a Slack channel, for example, there might be uh, a looking for game channel within it or the same for Discord or that sort of thing. So there's, there's plenty of places that do have the organisation going on to an extent. And I'd go for... Think of a game that you're comfortable with anyway that you might like to try and then use that uh, that company and that game system or fans of that group as your rating for playing a game of that online because at least then you'll be happy with the game you're playing and you've got less to worry about in terms of the online stuff then. Yeah, that's good advice, mate. I mean, there, there are evangelists everywhere, aren't they? Really experienced people, more experienced than us in running online games who, if you say, I, am, I would love to play Coriolis, online somebody will go oh do you know what this is my jam i do this week in week out i've got three groups on the go already in different campaigns and i can definitely squeeze you in for a demo i guarantee someone will put their hand up virtually and say that um that won't be an issue for you so don't be afraid of asking um and i think at the other extreme an option is to whatever it is you used to do around the table with your mates phone them up or email them and say should we try doing our our Call of Cthulhu game, but not being in the same room. We, we, you know, yeah. and, and, and people might go, well, that'd be a bit weird. And it is a bit weird. I, I played with my mate Steve last week, and I see Steve every week. I've seen him every week for like decades. But this time we were four miles apart and, and playing online. But it, but that was better than not seeing Steve and not playing <laughs> a game. So yeah. 
it's, it's, it seems a bit weird because, I mean, as blokes, we don't phone people, do we? <laughs> Just don't. True. <laughs> but <laughs> it turns out that you and I have got used to looking at each other's visogs over hangouts, hangouts for years now, haven't we? And it's still a little bit... I still get a bit of stage fright when the uh, when the video launches. So why not start with your mates? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. I have seen quite a lot of people actually at the minute talking about I'm going to try and move my game online, which seems I don't know, like it, the the way some people have phrased it makes it sound like it's moving house or something. And it's not. Uh, yeah. You know, trust us, it's not actually that bad. Like, if, and if you have got an, a, a meat space group, then yeah, that is definitely one aid is to just use all the people you already know and say, mm-hmm. let's just give it a go and see what happens. And that can be as easy as having a conference call and all of your books out in front of you and your character sheets. That that might be your first step, and, that, and that's fine. Yeah, there's a, it reminds me, of, this was a while ago now, but I think one of us was out of the country or something. And uh, we've played a game before. We had four people around the table and one laptop for the fifth person. <laughs> yeah. And they dialed in. Now, that is a bit curious because that feels like it's from a spy film or something. But it worked. It worked just fine. It was just, I think one of us even made him a cup of tea by accident, because <laughs> after a while, he'd just think they're in the room with you. Brilliant. Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing to do is acknowledge technical issues will occur at mm-hmm. some point. There'll be someone you can't hear, the volume are wrong, or whatever else. So, like these, I think you mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating that don't worry about stuff. Like, you may have to abandon a game, or just because you can't keep in touch with a the tools let you down and keep crashing or the internet goes off or whatever it might be so don't be discouraged about that like go into it thinking there might be some issues with things and we might have to change some settings and whatever else so your first session really can just be a, a trial of do that session zero to make some characters maybe and then use that also to check out the technology and, and just see if all that works yeah agreed mate there will be there will be niggles but it's only because all the niggles you have around your normal tape you've forgotten about or you just disregard because they're not niggles anymore. Like when someone is rolls their D20 and can't seem to make it land on your table. You know, it's just, that's a niggle. Or someone doesn't bring their dice every single week. Th- th- these things are not going to bother you anymore. You will find new things to bother you, but don't let yes. it put you off, you know. <laughs> um, and I think uh, a one last piece of etiquette from me as well, which is something I've seen a lot, and I've only just thought about how ubiquitous this is now. A nice thing to do is when your game is over and everybody's got offline is hop onto social media and thank your GM and the other players for the game you've just had. Yeah. Um, and you see that a lot. And they're lovely to see those little one-tweet reports of somebody's good night that they had mm. where they flag everybody in and maybe get a screenshot and people are celebrating their games online. And I think that's just a really nice thing to do. And you could be part yes. of that. Yeah, and now some people's Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds are, are filled with things about viruses and global disasters and yeah. Brexit and all sorts. But if, if you curate it, so you've got most of the game. It's all you get is lots of nice game reports and screenshots of people enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose in that vein, there's something we've not talked about, which I, I don't think we're going to breach, certainly not in this session anyway, is uh, streaming games, because quite a lot of people do that. Now, you're going to want to nip across to the Grog Talk channel on YouTube. Uh, James from there did a, a good hour or two with me the other day to talk me through using uh, stuff like OBS to stream games and all that. But that's probably beyond the scope of what we're doing. But just to be aware, there's like a whole new level of technology and tools to use to then display your game to other people. You can do it simply by having your Zoom chat up or whatever and just 
directly pumping that into YouTube if you want to, or yeah. record it locally and then upload it to YouTube or Facebook or wherever as a simple option to start with. But yeah, I don't think we're going to cover that, but definitely keep an eye on the Grog Talk channel because uh, James is going to be doing a new video on that and uh, he has some really good, well thought out steps for how you would go from just playing online to streaming. I think that's a really good shout, mate. I'm sure that some people listening to this thinking, how do I get onto that actual play bandwagon? Which is a thing. It's a real thing. Um, we'll cover that another time. But one of the advantages of online is you can press record. <laughs> and you may not want to straight away. <laughs> but yeah, that's a whole new adventure in it. That's another level. We'll do that another time. <laughs> cool. So yes, our advice. What would the smart party do? We'd go online and play games. It's what we've been doing. We've probably played yeah. more games in the last three months than we did all of last year, I think. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's no, there's no doubt about that at all. I've been keeping a track of it um, and uh, just trying my hardest to, to get involved. And um, it's like joining any other, any other club. Um, you, yeah, give it a go. It's full of friendly people. If you can't find any friendly people or you're nervous about finding friendly people, tap us up. If you're listening to our show, I, I assume it's on the basis you don't think we're that horrible. We'll play a game with you. We really will. You know, we've, if we can fit you in, we will. Or we'll, but we would love people to run stuff for us. We're we're always looking for people to do that. Um, so you know, try something out online as well because it is a really good way of dipping in and out of things that you can't normally do. You don't need to own the game. You don't need to be into the idea of the game. You just want to. You're just curious. Give it a go. People won't mind doing a one shot for you. People won't mind you subbing in for one week. But if you're going to listen, you might as well roll to do yeah. that. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out that there's a bit of disappointment at the minute because a lot of conventions are getting cancelled or postponed and that kind of thing. You could, if you wanted to, uh, encourage other people to do a kind of virtual convention. So you've got it yeah. booked out on your calendar anyway that you're going to do something that weekend and you've got your free pass. Uh, it's worth tapping up, tapping up even other people that were going to that convention, if you know them via social media or whatever else, to say, shall we still play a game anyway or organise something? That's another good in-route. You know, why not have your own UK Games Expo in June if you want to. Just get in touch with some people and, and organise some games amongst yourselves. And You know, you could do a, I'll do one for you, you do one for me, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen um, Adepticon in the States, I think that is. That's not going to happen now, so they called it Adepticant and now <laughs> online instead. <laughs> well done, Adepticant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that going about. So yeah, just help each other out. It is a friendly community. You might have some missteps, but it's definitely worth doing and some gaming is better than no gaming. GG. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you on the flip side. Cheers, everyone. Bye.